Chapter Two of Hagar of the Pawn Shop by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The First Customer and the Florentine Dante. It has been explained otherwhere how Hagar Stanley, against her own interests, took charge of the pawn shop and property of Jacob Dix during the absence of the rightful heir. She had full control of everything by the terms of the will. Jacob had made many good bargains in his life, but none better than that which had brought him Hagar for a slave. Hagar, with her strict sense of duty, her upright nature, and her determination to act honestly, even when her own interests were at stake. Such a character was almost unknown amongst the denizens of Carby's Crescent. Vark, the lawyer, thought her a fool, firstly because she refused to make a nest egg for herself out of the estate, secondly because she had surrendered a fine fortune to benefit a man she hated, thirdly because she declined to become Mrs. Vark. Otherwise she was sharp enough, too sharp, the lawyer thought, for with her keen business instinct and her faculty for organizing and administering and understanding, he found it impossible to trick her in any way. Out of the Dix estate Vark received his due fees and no more, which position was humiliating to a man of his intelligence. Hagar, however, minded neither Vark nor anyone else. She advertised for the absent heir. She administered the estate and carried on the business of the pawn-shop living in the back parlor meanwhile after the penurious fashion of her late master it had been a shock to her to learn that the heir of the old pawnbroker was none other than goliath the red-haired suitor who had forced her to leave the gypsy camp still her honesty would not permit her to rob him of his heritage and she attended to his interests as though they were those of the man she loved best in the world when jimmy dix alias goliath appeared to claim the property hagar intended to deliver up all to him and to leave the shop as poor as when she entered it in the meantime as the months went by and brought not the claimant hagar minded the shop transacted business and drove bargains also she became the heroine of several adventures such as the following during a june twilight she was summoned to the shop by a sharp rapping and on entering she found a young man waiting to pawn a book which he held in his hand he was tall slim fair-haired and blue-eyed with a clever and intellectual face lighted by rather dreamy eyes quick at reading physiognomies hagar liked his appearance at the first glance and moreover admired his good looks i-i wish to get some money on this book said the stranger in a hesitating manner a flush invading his fair complexion could you-that is-will you he paused in confusion and held out the book which hagar took in silence it was an old and costly book over which a bibliomaniac would have gloated the date was that of the fourteenth century the printer a famous florentine publisher of that epoch and the author was none other than one dante alighieri 
a poet not unknown to fame in short the volume was a second edition of la divina commedia extremely rare and worth much money hagar who had learnt many things under the able tuition of jacob at once recognized the value of the book but with keen business instinct notwithstanding her prepossession concerning the young man she began promptly to disparage it i don't care for old books she said offering it back to him why not take it to a second-hand bookseller because i don't want to part with it at the present moment i need money as you can see from my appearance let me have five pounds on the book until i can redeem it hagar who already had noted the haggard looks of this customer and the threadbare quality of his apparel laid down the dante with a bang i can't give five pounds she said bluntly the book isn't worth it shows how much you know of such things my girl it is a rare edition of a celebrated italian poet and it is worth over a hundred pounds really said hagar dryly in that case why not sell because i don't want to give me five pounds no four is all that i can advance for ten pleaded the customer four retorted the inexorable hagar or else she pushed the book towards him with one finger seeing that he could get nothing more out of her the young man sighed and relented give me the four pounds he said gloomily i might have guessed that a jewess would grind me down to the lowest i am not a jew but a gypsy replied hagar making out the ticket a gypsy said the other peering into her face and what is a romany lass doing in this levitical tabernacle that's my business retorted hagar curtly name and address eustace lorne forty-two castle road said the young man giving an address near at hand but i say if you are true romany you can talk the callow jib i can talk it with my kind young man not with the gentiles but i am a romany rye i'm not a fool young man romany ryes don't live in cities for choice nor do gypsy girls dwell in pawn-shops my lass four pounds said hagar taking no notice of this remark there it is in gold your ticket also number eight hundred and twenty you can redeem the book whenever you like on paying six per cent interest good night but i say cried lorne as he slipped money and ticket into his pocket i want to speak to you and good night sir said hagar sharply and vanished into the darkness of the shop lorne was annoyed by her curt manner and his sudden dismissal but as there was no help for it he walked out into the street what a handsome girl was his first thought and what a spitfire was his second after his departure hagar put away the dante and as it was late shut up the shop then she retired to the back parlor to eat her supper dry bread and cheese with cold water and to think over the young man as a rule hagar was far too self-possessed to be impressionable but there was something about eustace lorne she had the name pat 
which attracted her not a little from the short interview she had not learnt much of his personality he was poor proud rather absent-minded and from the fact of his yielding to her on the question of price rather weak in character yet she liked his face the kindly expression of his eyes and the sweetness of his mouth but after all he was only a chance customer and unless he returned to redeem the dante she might not see him again on this thought occurring to her hagar called common sense to her aid and strove to banish the young man's image from her mind the task was more difficult than she thought a week later lorn and his pawning of the book were recalled to her mind by a stranger who entered the shop shortly after midday this man was short stout elderly and vulgar he was much excited and spoke badly as hagar noted when he laid a pawn ticket number eight hundred and twenty on the counter here girl said he in rough tones give me the book this ticket's for you come from mr lorn asked hagar remembering the dante yes he wants that book there's the brass sharp now young woman hagar made no move to get the volume or even to take the money instead of doing either she asked a question is mr lorn ill that he could not come himself she demanded looking keenly at the man's coarse face no but i bought the pawn ticket off him here give me the book i cannot at present replied hagar who did not trust the looks of this man and who wished moreover to see eustace again dash your imperence why not because you did not pawn the dante and as it is a valuable book i might get into trouble if i gave it into other hands than mr lorne's well i'm blessed there's the ticket so i see but how do i know the way you became possessed of it lorne gave it me said the man sulkily and i want the dante i'm sorry for that retorted hagar certain that all was not right for no one but mr lorne shall get it if he isn't ill let him come and receive it from me the man swore and completely lost his temper a fact which did not disturb hagar in the least you may as well clear out she said coldly i have said that you shan't have the book so that closes the question i'll call in the police do so there's a station five minutes walk from here confounded by her coolness the man snatched up the pawn ticket and stamped out of the shop in a rage hagar took down the dante looked at it carefully and considered the position clearly there was something wrong and eustace was in trouble else why should he send a stranger to redeem the book upon which he set such store in an ordinary case hagar might have received the ticket and money without a qualm so long as she was acting rightly in a legal sense but eustace lorne interested her strangely why she could not guess and she was anxious to guard his interests moreover the emissary possessed an untrustworthy face and looked a man capable if not of crime at least of treachery how he had obtained the ticket could only be explained by its owner 
so after some cogitation hagar sent a message to lorn the gist of this was that he should come to the pawn-shop after closing time all the evening hagar anxiously waited for her visitor and such is the inconsequence of maids she was angered with herself for this very anxiety she tried to think that it was sheer curiosity to know the truth of the matter that made her impatient for the arrival of lorn but deep in her heart there lurked a perception of the actual state of things it was not curiosity so much as a wish to see the young man's face again to hear him speak and feel that he was beside her though without a chaperone though not brought up under parental government hagar had her own social code and that a strict one in this instance she thought that her mental attitude was unmaidenly and unworthy of an unmarried girl hence when eustace made his appearance at nine o'clock she was brusque to the point of rudeness who was that man you sent for your book she demanded abruptly when lorne was seated in the back parlor jabez treadle i could not come myself so i sent him with the ticket why did you not give him the dante because i did not like his face and i thought he might have stolen the ticket from you besides i here hagar hesitated for she was not anxious to admit that her real reason had been a desire to see him again besides i don't think he is your friend she finished lamely very probably he is not replied lorne shrugging his shoulders i have no friends that is a pity said hagar casting a searching glance at his irresolute face i think you need friends or at all events one staunch one may that staunch one be of your own sex said lorne rather surprised at the interest this strange girl displayed in his welfare yourself for instance if that could be so i might give you unpalatable advice mr lorne such as what don't trust the man you sent here mr treadle see here is your dante young man pay me the money and take it away i can't pay you the money as i have none i am as poor as job but hardly so patient but you offered the money through that treadle creature indeed no explained eustace frankly i gave him the ticket and he wished to redeem the book with his own money did he really said hagar thoughtfully he does not look like a student as you do why did he want this book to find out a secret a secret young man contained in the dante yes there is a secret in the book which means money to you or mr treadle demanded hagar eustace shrugged his shoulders to either one of us who finds out the secret he said carelessly but indeed i don't think it will ever be discovered at all events by me treadle may be more fortunate if crafty ways can bring fortune your man will succeed said hagar calmly he is a dangerous friend for you that treadle there is evidently some story about this dante of yours which he knows and which he desires to turn to his own advantage if the story means money tell it to me 
and I may be able to help you to the wealth. I am only a young girl, it is true, Mr. Lorne. Still, I am old in experience, and I may succeed where you fail. I doubt it, replied Lorne gloomily. Still, it is kind of you to take this interest in a stranger. I am much obliged to you, Miss. Call me Hagar, she interrupted hastily. I am not used to fine titles. Well, then, Hagar, said he with a kindly glance, I'll tell you the story of my Uncle Ben and his strange will. Hagar smiled to herself. It seemed to be her fate to have dealings with wills. First that of Jacob, now this of Lorne's uncle. However, she knew when to hold her tongue, and saying nothing, she waited for Eustace to explain. This he did at once. My uncle, Benjamin Girth, died six months ago at the age of fifty-eight, said he, slowly. In his early days he had lived a roving life, and ten years ago he came home with a fortune from the West Indies. How much fortune? demanded Hagar, always interested in financial matters. That is the odd part about it, continued Eustace. Nobody ever knew the amount of his wealth, for he was a grumpy old curmudgeon who confided in no one. He bought a little house and garden at Woking, and there lived for the ten years he was in England. His great luxury was books, and as he knew many languages, Italian among others, he collected quite a polyglot library. Where is it now? It was sold after his death along with the house and land. A man in the city claimed the money and obtained it. A creditor? What about the fortune? I'm telling you, Hagar, if you'll only listen, said Eustace impatiently. Well, Uncle Ben, as I have said, was a miser. He hoarded up all his monies and kept them in the house, trusting neither to banks nor investments. My mother was his sister and very poor, but he never gave her a penny and to me nothing but the Dante, which he presented in an unusual fit of generosity. But from what you said before, remarked Hagar shrewdly, it seemed to me that he had some motive in giving you the Dante. No doubt, assented Eustace, admiring her sharpness. The secret of where his money is hidden is contained in that Dante. Then you may be sure, Mr. Lorne, that he intended to make you his heir. But what has your friend Treadle to do with the matter? Oh, Treadle is a grocer in Woking, responded Lorne. He is greedy for money, and knowing that Uncle Ben was rich, he tried to get the cash left to him. He wheedled and flattered the old man. He made him presents, and always tried to set him against me as his only relative. Didn't I say the man was your enemy? Well, go on. There is little more to tell, Hagar. Uncle Ben hid his money away and left a will which gave it all to the person who should find out where it was concealed. The testament said the secret was contained in the Dante. You may be sure that Treadle visited me at once and asked to see the book. I showed it to him, but neither of us could find any sign in its pages likely to lead us to discover the hidden treasure. The other day Treadle came to see the Dante again. I told him that I had pawned it, 
so he volunteered to redeem it if i gave him the ticket i did so and he called on you the result you know yes i refused to give it to him said hagar and i see now that i was quite right to do so as the man is your enemy well mr lorne it seems from your story that a fortune is waiting for you if you can find it very true but i can't find it there isn't a single sign in the dante by which i can trace the hiding place do you know italian very well uncle ben taught it to me that's one point gained said hagar placing the dante on the table and lighting another candle the secret may be contained in the poem itself however we shall see is there any mark in the book a marginal mark i mean not one look for yourself the two comely young heads one so fair the other so dark were bent over the book in that dismal and tenebrous atmosphere eustace the weaker character of the twain yielded in all things to hagar she turned over page after page of the old florentine edition but not one pencil or pen-mark marred its pure white surface from beginning to end from l'inferno to il paradiso no hint betrayed the secret of the hidden money at the last page eustace with a sigh threw himself back in his chair you see hagar there is nothing what are you frowning at i am not frowning but thinking young man was her reply if the secret is in this book there must be some trace of it now nothing appears at present but later on well said eustace impatiently later on invisible ink invisible ink he repeated vaguely i don't quite understand my late master said hagar without emotion was accustomed to deal with thieves rogues and vagabonds naturally he had many secrets and sometimes by force of circumstances he had to trust these secrets to the post naturally also he did not wish to risk discovery so when he sent a letter about stolen goods for instance he always wrote it in lemon juice in lemon juice and what good was that it was good for invisible writing when the letter was written it looked like a blank page no one you understand could read what was set out for to the ordinary eye there was no writing at all and to the cultured eye asked eustace in ironical tones it appeared the same a blank sheet retorted hagar but then the cultured mind came in young man the person to whom the letter was sent warmed the seeming blank page over the fire when at once the writing appeared black and legible the deuce eustace jumped up in his excitement and you think i think that your late uncle may have adopted the same plan interrupted hagar coolly but i am not sure however we shall soon see she turned over a page or two of the dante it is impossible to heat these over the fire she added as the book is valuable and we must not spoil it but i know of a plan with a confident smile she left the room and returned with a flat iron which she placed on the fire while it was heating eustace looked at this quick-witted woman with admiration 
not only had she brains but beauty also and manlike he was attracted by this last in no small degree shortly he began to think that this strange and unexpected friendship between him and the pawnbroking gypsy beauty might develop into something stronger and warmer but here he sighed both of them were poor so it would be impossible to we will not begin at the beginning of the book said hagar taking the iron off the fire and thereby interrupting his thoughts but at the end why asked eustace who could see no good reason for this decision well said hagar poising the heated iron over the book when i search for an article i find it always at the bottom of a heap of things i don't want as we began with the first page of this book and found nothing let us start this time from the end and perhaps we shall learn your uncle's secret the sooner it is only a whim of mine but i should like to satisfy it by way of experiment eustace nodded and laughed while hagar placed a sheet of brown paper over the last page of the dante to preserve the book from being scorched in a minute she lifted the iron and paper but the page still showed no mark with a cheerful air the girl shook her head and repeated the operation on the second page from the end this time when she took away the brown paper eustace who had been watching her actions with much interest bent forward with an ejaculation of surprise hagar echoed it with one of delight for there was a mark and date on the page halfway down as thus o abundante grazia andio presumi ficarlo viso per la luce eterna twenty seven twelve thirty eight tanto che la veduta vi consumi there mr lorne cried hagar joyously there is the secret my fancy for beginning at the end was right i was right also about the invisible ink you are a wonder said eustace with sincere admiration but i am as much in the dark as ever i see a marked line and a date the twenty-seventh of december in the year i presume one thousand eight hundred and thirty-eight we can't make any sense out of that simplicity don't be in a hurry said hagar soothingly we have found out so much we may learn more first of all please to translate those three lines roughly said eustace reading them they run thus o oh, abundant grace with whom i tried to look through the eternal light so much that i lost my sight he shrugged his shoulders i don't see how that transcendentalism can help us what about the date one thousand eight hundred and thirty-eight said lorne thoughtfully and this is ninety-six take one from the other it leaves fifty-eight the age at which as i told you before my uncle died evidently this is the date of his birth a date of birth a line of dante muttered hagar i must say that it is difficult to make sense out of it yet in figures and letters i am sure the place where the money is concealed is told well remarked eustace giving up the solution of this problem in despair if you can make out the riddle it is more than i can patience patience replied hagar with a nod 
sooner or later we shall find out the meaning could you take me to see your uncle's house at woking oh yes it is not yet let so we can easily go over it but will you trouble about coming all that way with me certainly i am anxious to know the meaning of this line and date there may be something about your uncle's house likely to give a clue to its reading i shall keep the dante and puzzle over the riddle you can call for me on sunday when the shop is closed and we shall go to woking together oh hagar how can i ever thank thank me when you get the money and rid yourself of mr treadle said hagar cutting him short besides i am only doing this to satisfy my own curiosity you are an angel and you a fool who talks nonsense said hagar sharply here is your hat and cane come out this way by the back i have an ill enough name already without desiring a fresh scandal good night but may i say nothing nothing retorted hagar pushing him out of the door good night the door snapped too sharply and lorn went out into the hot july night with his heart beating and his blood aflame he had seen this girl only twice yet with the inconsiderate rashness of youth he was already in love with her the beauty and kindness and brilliant mind of hagar attracted him strongly and she had shown him such favor that he felt certain she loved him in return but a girl out of a pawn-shop he had neither birth nor money yet he drew back from mating himself with such a one true his mother was dead and he was quite alone in the world alone and poor still if he found his uncle's fortune he would be rich enough to marry hagar did she aid him to get the money might expect reward in the shape of marriage and she was so beautiful so clever by the time he reached his poor lodging eustace had put all the scruples out of his head and had settled to marry the gypsy as soon as the lost treasure came into his possession in no other way could he thank her for the interest she was taking in him this may seem a hasty decision but young blood is soon heated young hearts are soon filled with love youth and beauty drawn together are as flint and tinder to light the torch of hymen punctual to the appointed hour eustace as smart as he could make himself with the poor means at his command appeared at the door of the pawn-shop hagar was already waiting for him with the dante in her hand she wore a black dress a black cloak and a hat of the same sombre hue such clothes being the mourning she had worn and was wearing for jacob averse as she was to using goliath's money she thought he would hardly grudge her these garments of woe for his father besides as manageress of the shop she deserved some salary why are you taking the dante asked eustace when they set out for waterloo station it may be useful to read the riddle said hagar have you solved it i don't know i am not sure she said meditatively i tried by counting the lines on that page up and down you understand twenty-seven twelve thirty-eight but the lines i lighted on gave me no clue 
You didn't understand them? Yes, I did, replied Hagar coolly. I got a second-hand copy of a translation from the old bookseller in Carby's Crescent, and by counting the lines to correspond with those in the Florentine edition I arrived at the sense. And none of them pointed to the solution of the problem? Not one. Then I tried by pages. I counted twenty-seven pages, but could find no clue. I reckoned twelve pages, also thirty-eight. Still the same result. Then I took the twelfth, the twenty-seventh, and the thirty-eighth page by numbers, but found nothing. The riddle is hard to read. Impossible, I should say, said Eustace in despair. No, I think I have found out the meaning. How? How? Tell me quick. Not now. I found a word, but it seems nonsense, as I could not find it in the Italian dictionary which I borrowed. What is the word? I'll tell you when I have seen the house. In vain Eustace tried to move her from this determination. Hagar was stubborn when she took an idea into her strong brain, so she simply declined to explain until she arrived at Woking, at the house of Uncle Ben. Weak himself, Eustace could not understand how she could hold out so long against his persuasions. Finally he decided in his own mind that she did not care about him. In this he was wrong. Hagar liked him, loved him, but she deemed it her duty to teach him patience, a quality he lacked sadly, hence her closed mouth. When they arrived at Woking, Eustace led the way towards his late uncle's house, which was some distance out of the town. He addressed Hagar after a long silence when they were crossing a piece of wasteland and saw the cottage in the distance. If you find this money for me, he said abruptly, what service am I to do for you in return? I have thought of that, replied Hagar promptly. Find Goliath otherwise james dix who is he asked lorne flushing someone you are fond of someone i hate with all my soul she flashed out but he is the son of my late master and heir to the pawn-shop i look after it only because he is absent and on the day he returns i shall walk out of it and never set eyes on it or him again why don't you advertise I have done so for months. So has Vark, the lawyer. But Jimmy Dix never replies. He was with my tribe in the New Forest, and it was because I hated him that I left the Romany. Since then he has gone away, and I don't know where he is. Find him if you wish to thank me, and let me get away from the pawn-shop. Very good, replied Eustace quietly. I shall find him. In the meantime, here is the hermitage of my late uncle. It was a bare little cottage, small and shabby, set at the end of a square of ground fenced in from the barren moor. Within the quadrangle there were fruit trees, cherry, apple, plum, and pear, also a large fig tree in the center of the unshaven lawn facing the house. All was desolate and neglected. The fruit trees were unpruned, the grass was growing in the paths, 
and the flowers were straggling here and there rich masses of ragged color desolate certainly this deserted hermitage but not lonely for as hagar and her companion turned in at the little gate a figure rose from a stooping position under an apple tree it was that of a man with a spade in his hand who had been digging for some time as was testified by the heap of freshly turned earth at his feet mr treadle cried lorn indignantly what are you doing here lookin for the old un's cash retorted mr treadle with a scowl directed equally at the young man and hagar and if i gets it i keeps it lord to think as how i pampered that old sinner with figs and such like to say nothing of french brandy which he drank by the quart you have no business here no more have you snapped the irate grocer if i ain't you ain't for till the ouse is let it's public property i s'pose you've come here with that jezebel to look for the money hagar hearing herself called names stepped promptly up to mr treadle and boxed his red ears now then she said when the grocer fell back in dismay at this onslaught perhaps you'll be civil mr lorn sit down on this seat and i'll explain the riddle the dante cried mr treadle recognizing the book which lay on hagar's lap and she'll explain the riddle swindling me out of my rightful cash the cash belongs to mr lorn as his uncle's heir said hagar wrathfully be quiet sir or you'll get another box on the ears never mind him said eustace impatiently tell me the riddle i don't know if i have guessed it correctly answered hagar opening the book but i've tried by line and page and number all of which revealed nothing now i try by letters and you will see if the word they make is a proper italian one she read out the marked line and the date ficar lo viso per la luce eterna twenty seventh december thirty eight now said hagar slowly if you run all the figures together they stand as two seven one two three eight yes yes said eustace impatiently i see go on please hagar continued take the second letter of the word ficar i also the seventh letter from the beginning of the line eustace counted l i see he went on eagerly also the first letter f the second again i the third and the eighth c and o good said hagar writing these down now the whole make up the word ilfico is that an italian word i'm not sure said eustace thoughtfully ilfico no shows what edication e's got growled mr treadle who was leaning on his spade eustace raised his eyes to dart a withering glance at the grocer and in doing so his vision passed on to the tree looming up behind the man at once the meaning of the word flashed on his brain il fico he cried rising two words instead of one you have found it hagar it means the fig-tree the one yonder 
I believe the money is buried under it. Before he could advance a step, Treadle had leaped forward and was slashing away at the tangled grass round the fig tree like a madman. If tis there, tis mine, he shouted. Don't you come nigh me, young Lorne, or I'll brain you with my spade. I fed up that old uncle of yours like a fighting cock, and now I'm going to have his cash to pay me. Eustace leaped forward in the like manner as Treadle had done, and would have wrenched the spade out of his grip, but that Hagar laid a detaining hand on his arm. Let him dig, she said coolly. The money is yours. I can prove it. He'll have the work, and you the fortune. Hagar! Hagar! How can I thank you? The girl stepped back, and a blush rose in her cheeks. Find Goliath, she said and let me get rid of the pawn-shop. At this moment Treadle gave a shout of glee, and with both arms wrenched a goodly-sized tin box out of the hole he had dug. Mine! Mine! he cried, plumping this down on the grass. This will pay for the dinners I gave him, the presents I made him. I've been casting my bread on the waters, and here it's back again. He fell to forcing the lid of the box with the edge of the spade, all the time laughing and crying like one demented. Lorne and Hagar drew near in the expectation of seeing a shower of gold pieces rain on the ground when the lid was opened. As Treadle gave a final wrench it flew wide, and they saw an empty box. Why, what? stammered Treadle, thunderstruck. What does it mean? Eustace, equally taken aback, bent down and looked in. There was absolutely nothing in the box but a piece of folded paper. Unable to make a remark, he held it out to the amazed Hagar. What the devil does it mean? said Treadle again. This explains, said Hagar, running her eye over the writing. It seems that this wealthy Uncle Ben was a pauper. A pauper? cried Eustace and Treadle together. Listen, said Hagar, and read out from the page. When I returned to England I was thought wealthy, so that all my friends and relations fawned on me for the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. But I had just enough money to rent the cottage for a term of years and to purchase an annuity barely sufficient for the necessities of life. But owing to the report of my wealth, the luxuries have been supplied by those who hoped for legacies. This is my legacy to one and all, these golden words which I have proved true. It is better to be thought rich than to be rich. The paper fell from the hand of Eustace, and Treadle, with a howl of rage, threw himself on the grass, loading the memory of the deceased with opprobrious names. Seeing that all was over, that the expected fortune had vanished into thin air, Hagar left the disappointed grocer weeping with rage over the deceptive tin box, and led Eustace away. He followed her as in a dream, and all the time during their sad journey back to town he spoke hardly a word. What they did say, 
how eustace bewailed his fate and hagar comforted him is not to the point but on arriving at the door of the pawn-shop hagar gave the copy of dante to the young man i give this back to you she said pressing his hand sell it and with the proceeds build up your own fortune but shall i not see you again he asked piteously yes mr lorn you shall see me when you bring back goliath then she entered the pawn-shop and shut the door left alone in the deserted crescent eustace sighed and walked slowly away hugging to his breast the florentine dante he went away to make his fortune to find goliath and although he did not know it at the time to marry hagar End of chapter two